0: Gentle, gentle move upward. Um, I don't know.
1: Well, it's okay, rates right? Rates
0: pretty darn good. They are very good.
1: Like we started talking
0: last week, I don't know that the low rates are really going to spark much. In fact, there's some, some discussion about that in the national media about what the low rates are really going to do for the... For the market, well, the I was real impressed. estate market and the economy in I was general.
1: impressed last week that we talked about it and I, I found out from Jason that um, during the show itself, there wasn't a phone call, which is kind of surprising to me.
0: Are you referring to yourself in the third No,
1: course? our loan officer, Jason, that was listening for uh, uh, phone calls at the office. Yeah. Did he get calls? No calls. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself that it, that's kind of a sign of what's been going on. We've had... We've had so much hysteria over low interest rates for so long. I think a lot of people do have good low rates. But at the same time, I think people are also just a little bit kind of burnt out on the whole thing. Tired of hearing about it. What are you going to do? Are you going to do another loan? Who wants to get another loan? Um, I was yesterday, I was at one of the networking groups that I belong to. and um, Is that what everyone was telling you? Me- Sit down. We don't. We don't want to hear about low rates. We're tired. Let's hear about the landscape. We're talking about pruning a tree again. <laughs> no, it was, um, but the the idea kind of was. I was starting to say, you know, if if your interest rates a little bit higher, anything probably higher than four and a quarter is worth exploring right now. Um, but most importantly, if you have mortgage insurance. Um, because, I mean cuz home values have gone up. Uh, we could use uh, we'll let them rename name, remain nameless, but we could use one of our employees as an example. Bought a house. Was it, has it been a year? About yeah, a little more than a year, I think. Yearish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll yeah, a it little bit summer. more than a year. It was late summer. So, bought a house using an FHA loan for, you know, minimum down payment. Was kind of just the necessary loan to get into. And um, the mortgage insurance on that loan is pushing 400 bucks a month.
0: And it's for the life of the loan.
1: Yeah, long time. <laughs> Add that up. Yeah. That's like $5,000 a year. Run that out 30 years. I mean, you're talking about spending an insane amount of money on something that you really, yeah, it's 150 is it? grand. Is it? Wow. Yeah. God. Add it up, dude. And and because the mortgage insurance is really a factor of your um, your loan amount, your starting loan amount anyway, it's like having a a way bigger interest rate. Like you're you know, it might be happy that you got yourself an FHA loan with a three and a half percent interest rate. However. If it's three and a half and your mortgage insurance is, a, you know, one and a quarter or something, you're you're actually at a four and three quarters uh, interest rate because of that extra cost. So I won't tell the whole big long story, but the bottom line is that we're doing a Fannie Mae loan for him. And the new loan gets the, there's still mortgage insurance because it's not a full 20% equity yet. Although I do also want to say that in that year, the home price went up more than 10%. It was just about 11%. So that's uh-huh. on track with really what we've been saying happened in our county over the last year. I know you can't always apply the logic that way, but in this case, it played out perfectly. So coming in for a refi, I'm going to save about 250 bucks a month primarily on mortgage insurance and get into the kind of mortgage insurance that's conventional, Uh, For a conventional loan, which means it stops when you have the equity, which is no longer the case on those government loans for the most part. Uh, And then also... Not only can it stop, but it stops, it'll actually take into consideration market appreciation. Whereas most of the government loans are going to be based more on, you know, like FHA and stuff, more on if you're if it can cancel, yeah, on that actual amortization of it. So it doesn't matter that you bought at a great time in the market and found tons of equity by dumb luck. It just is a function of amortization. You started out at 100,000 bucks and the mortgage insurance will stop when you hit 78,000 bucks. That's really how they do it. But in the conventional world, you start out at 100,000 bucks and then if your house appraises for 130 because of the neighbors all, you know, sold for a little bit higher, then you're good. They'll take that. So, it's a just as a rule, it's a better long-term plan if you know that you're going to be in your house for more than three or five years or something, it's worth exploring. And um, so that is the kind of talk I think should be stealing headlines instead of, uh, you know, this the mini refi boom kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and and I think that that is part of the story. I, you know, the, what we do know is that with that, that decline in rates in the last couple of weeks, applications for refis have gone up about over 20%. So we have seen a a
1: pretty big increase in refis. I got so many calls this week, though, Dan, that were like, hey, I heard rates are, like, really, really Mm. low. Um, Can you do a refi for me? And a lot of them, like, we dug in and looked at it and said, you know, what? it's so close, but just not enough savings there yet to justify it. And we are all hoping that rates kind of keep trending the way they have been for a while. Um help more people to qualify for refining but well
0: just to, to give our listeners a little idea of how fast rates change rates change every day and oftentimes multiple times a day um, this article is is letting us know what Freddie Mac reports for the average interest rate for the week and it says it's at 3.92 um, that was probably at the beginning of the week yeah <laughs> at the end of the week it's probably crept back over four percent. So it hasn't moved a lot, but it's not as low as what this article says just from this week. Um, so yeah, it said the average rate on a thirty-year was three point nine two. Average rate on a fifteen-year was three point oh eight. Those have probably moved up just a little bit. But like you said, there are certain people where you know if if they've been on it and and capturing the low rate as things went down all last year, it's. You know, it may or may not be the right time for them now. But other people, like you're saying, getting out of mortgage insurance, I can think of another client that we're starting with that um, has a first and an equity line and consolidating the two. And the payment's not going down as much as you might think. It is going down, but they're getting out of that equity line. Which which is is variable. It's interest only currently, and it's variable currently. Right. So that's a good one.
1: And most of the time, the home equity line of credit, if you read your financing agreement pretty closely, one of the things you agree to typically is a a cap, the highest that interest rate's allowed to go is 24.99%. Yeah, it gets pretty outrageous. I feel like it's unlikely that we're going to see something like that. However, just getting off of the the unpredictable loan program where you're going to find yourself wishing that you had done something sooner, um, those are the kind of refis that the primary motivation doesn't have to be saving money. That can be, you know, just locking in today's stuff because the variable rate nature of the loan they have is sometimes it keeps people awake at night, you know, yeah. we got found by another
0: couple, um, on the internet. They are called from Bakersfield and they're trying to get out of an FHA loan to get out of mortgage insurance and they're able to get cash out, get into a conventional loan and reduce their payment. Oh, huh. So they're getting a little equity to spruce up the home,
1: put it back and, into the house. Yeah, that's a that's a cash out refi. I'm okay with. <laughs> and we're not getting back to the like buying um, lake houses and stuff with our equity, right? No, I haven't seen that yet.
0: So you mentioned four and a quarter being kind of that trigger point at which it might be
1: worthwhile to investigate. Um, yeah, and I'll give you a quick example of that, though. A client that I have um, has a four and a quarter, and we're looking at doing a four. And I can't accomplish the four for free. It's going to be the 4% rate. It's going to cost about um, $2,500 in closing costs, which isn't terrible. But um, And he has the ability to either finance it into the loan or write a check for it. In either case, I don't think he worries much about it. However... The twenty five hundred dollar cost. What he then gets is a savings. We figured out the monthly savings is enough that he'll recoup that twenty five hundred bucks in twenty two months. So he's saving about a hundred, little over a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, but that's pretty smart. I mean, it's like. In 22 months now, you're just pocketing that for the remainder of the loan, so that's a good one. But you know, some of the other ones, it's like it just doesn't save enough money, or it still costs just a little bit too much. Um, and I hope that people glean this. However, what we're what we're talking about is paying close attention to. You don't just go refi because someone said the rates less. You also don't not refi because. It's not um, gone down a full point. It's not gone down a full point or something weird like that. Every single time you have to get in there and figure out what the opportunities are, what are the costs, what are the benefits, and make a decision based on all the math. The fun thing about this part of it, refinancing is generally about math and logic. Right. <laughs> you can bring it all the way down to math and logic. Oftentimes when you're buying a home, it's more about like the like heart than it is about the math and logic. I mean everybody has to have something they're qualified for or something they are can afford or budget in mind or whatever, but usually you start eliminating properties based on preferences and, and things like that. And then but these ones are you don't need to have a preference. Just call us or come on in. Make an objective we'll decision. crunch math. Yeah. If the math makes perfect sense and you're and you believe in the math, then you go. And if not, then um, we, you know, thanks for spending the half hour and move on. Well, what I wanted to say about that trigger point that four and a quarter rate is that,
0: um, according to core logic, core logic is a huge data provider. That's where we get our credit reports and flood certs. And they do a lot with the mortgage business, a lot of data they they see it all. Um, they say that about half of all homes in the country with a mortgage have rates that are 4.3% or higher.
1: Right. There's a lot of people that have loans that um, should be getting new loans. At least be looking into it. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, some people have
0: lower rates, but they're adjustable. Those people should think about it. A lot of them have enjoyed downward adjustments, but that, I got to believe that's coming to an end here pretty soon.
1: Yeah, within the next couple years, I'd say. Yeah. It's going to go the other way at some point. I mean, the whole thing is the pendulum, right? So you enjoy this low time... Uh, at some point, it's great to lock in and and realize it. And remember what your start rate was, not your current rate, because the cap on your adjustable loan is usually five percent over the start rate. Almost always five percent over the start rate. So you started at five on your five year loan, and it adjusted down. Now you're at like two and a half or something. That's pretty cool. The cap on your loan is still ten. So at some point, it's a good idea to, to come out and talk about getting into something um, that's fixed rate. It is 922. I want to remind you guys that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions today or want to um, share a comment or concern, anything really housing or economic related, we're ready to deal. And... Um, You can call us at the studio, 543-8830. That's the number. We're going to do a quick commercial break to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters.
2: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should've known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. I called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kinda worthless. Get to a better state, state farm. Switch to state farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call agent Susan Rodriguez.
1: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. When you
4: buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts
0: on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
2: You're tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're getting, we've transferred Halloween just into scary things. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Next, we're going to have Josh, a root canal drill Josh. or something. <laughs> Put you on the bypass <clears throat> machine. What does that sound like? Um. All right, well. So we were talking a little bit about the refi thing. I also just want to take the opportunity. Um, I really dislike the salesy thing. <laughs> that might come as a shock to some of you guys, given what it is we do for a living. But I, I wanted. I just wanted to also remind you this, though. I took several phone calls last week from clients that w- responded saying, hey, can I get out of my mortgage insurance? Um, and most of the time, they're calling... Um, expecting they're calling a mortgage company, expecting that they're going to get a new loan. And I'm happy to look at what you got and tell you that, you know, like one client I sent away saying, they called and said, I want to get a new loan. Okay, what kind of loan do you have? I don't know. All right, well, let's have a look at it. It turns out they had a conventional loan already, and the rate was like three and three-eighths. The equity, I believe, is there now. And rather than refinance that to get rid of the mortgage insurance. Write
0: your mortgage insurance company. Yeah.
1: Give them a call. The number's on your statement. And initiate the um, challenge process for getting rid of your mortgage insurance. Um, And so I'll give you updates on how that's going along. I actually have two people that are giving it a whack right now that bought a house like two years ago. And have enough equity now with a conventional loan that they're hoping to have no mortgage insurance. So point yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. The point really is, is that um, we are in the business of making loans and I'd, I'd love to make one to everybody listening to this thing today. If you need a loan, if you don't need a loan or what you got can somehow be reworked to have you in a better spot, um, we don't want to do, we don't want to do loans for those people. We want to just help you um, get in the best spot you can be. Let's take a phone call.
0: We've got Mary calling from Arroyo Grande. Morning, Mary. Morning.
5: Morning. How are you?
0: Very good. How are you doing? Good morning.
5: I'm. I'm. I'm happy to be waking up at a time when the sun's up.
1: Good. Ah. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> must be day off day.
5: It must be day off day. Good. Um, I, I had a couple of questions about housing inventory, and not to, reach, re, re- uh, direct the show, but I. Wasn't we were getting to... ready
0: for a redirection. Good time. We're getting
5: ready. So. Um, you guys might have some numbers how many housing units how many housing units are in San Luis Obispo County
1: total units
5: yeah a rough number
1: in the county
0: I want to say
1: it's like 200,000 I know there's
0: about 250,000 people
5: yeah that number is I think yeah 250 something between 250 and 300 uh, people but like residences in
1: terms of um wow would
5: the number be 200,000
1: it's possible i it's been a long time i mean it's almost it's like more than a dozen years ago i was in cal poly studying city regional planning and we talked about these kind of numbers and for some reason the 170,000 numbers stuck out in my mind but i i just for panic of that sounding low i feel like i raised it up to 200,000 i'm going to attempt to look it up right now too
5: Okay. And and then um, from that, how how many of those units are owned as second homes?
1: From what I recall, and this is kind of, this will be hard to prove with like any kind of primary or secondary data, but we're led to believe that, you know, it's different in different parts of the county. But I think um, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15% of the total house stock of our county is some sort of non non full-time rented non-primary residence type of use, which would be like a, a second home or even a vacation rental where the owners had access to it. Um, at their discretion. Let's let Jim weigh in here really quick. Um,
6: I just actually, oh, there it is. Um, I'm looking at the 2013 there's a 2013 census up here uh-huh. and, um, housing units, they say, Hundred eighteen thousand one hundred ninety 118,198, 118, Yeah. Okay. Hundred eighteen thousand one ninety eight. That's um, according to the yeah census, the most recent. Does it
0: census. give a, a percentage it's, of occupancy type? Uh,
6: well, I could see if I get that. Um. Is, go ahead, Mary. Percentage of occupancy.
5: No, I, I was going to say that one of the things, of course, um, you folks uh, talk about available housing units and things, one of the things that affects available housing in San Luis Obispo County is because we do have some very desirable communities to for, for second home ownership, for vacationers, yeah. those, housing, those houses are not available for full time, nor will those communities ever have a, a, as high a percentage as other places.
1: That's really true. And you know i I grew up in Big Bear, okay, which is a resort community, a lot of second homes there. I mean, when i was in when I was a kid there, it was like it was just accepted that fifty percent of the homes in our neighborhoods were um, people's second or vacation homes. Um so while it does limit some of the housing opportunity for the full-time residents, it also creates a little bit of an economy, though those people coming over, vacationing here, eating out, requiring the services, all that kind of thing. So it, I do think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword.
5: No, no, I, I don't disagree. It's 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 a, it's the reality is it's a fact of life. And I lived in a, vac- a resort area for a period of my life as well, and we have the same thing. And depending. Here, we don't have the same thing. Big Bear, you probably have some of it. You you have cycles in terms of the usage of those properties because of weather. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but it affects the housing inventory, and I know um, I'm talking about increasing the building inventory, and resources, of course, are a huge issue here. We don't have water to accommodate a great number of uh, more people to live here full-time, um, and then what do you do with the waste that's created? We, to, to find places, we already have an issue trying to get rid of the waste as it is and, and keeping enough water going without being in a drought. Yep. So these are, it's, you, you could drastically change the nature of the area by um, increasing your, your development, especially by developing over rural areas.
1: It is but not anyway. a simple issue, is it?
5: It's a as as you guys have pointed out numerous times, but the I, the housing units number is very interesting in terms of of um, occupancy available for. And recently, did you not state what the um, owner occupied number is? What is the percentage again? Well, I just I just heard that number. It's not very high in San Luis Obispo County.
1: It is not high. Well, what
6: I see on this this uh, census is. Um, this is like 2012 numbers, um, 59.7%. So just under 60% of people owner own the home. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay.
1: Yep.
5: Gentlemen, always fun to listen. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You Thanks too. You.
1: Bye. If you converted existing housing stock to full-time residents, you'd be adding extra, um, impact to all infrastructure, right? I mean, even the sewer's got to work harder for the second home turned. Yeah, it depends on if it's currently used as a rental or a vacation. And then the other question too is, you know, it's like, if you build more, I think the short-term impact is you sort of free up some housing, create a little bit of vacancy, allow some people to buy that maybe couldn't buy, maybe even keep prices from going up the way they've been going. But in the end... This is a pretty beautiful place, and most people that come here agree that they wish they could figure out how to stay here. So if we just add more housing or even convert existing housing to anything else, aren't we really just going to grow the population here? Seems like the way (laughs) it's going pretty much in all parts of the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even the parts, some people are, some places it's just growing because it's affordable and there's... A moderate amount of opportunity, and some places are growing because it's paradise, and people are willing to tolerate a total lack of affordability. Um, I was down in Santa Barbara this week, and I was talking to one of the um, a, a gal down there that was, I guess, in in the hospitality business, and she said that um, Santa Barbara had recently surpassed Manhattan as um, unaffordable for housing. Well, and I'm. Do they? Don't do they? know how to substantiate that or not, but that's at least what the local paper told them. And I thought, man, that's that's quite a claim to fame there. Price per square foot. Woo. Do uh, they incorporate places
6: like Montecito into yeah. that, though, yeah. too? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So you got your open room for
1: you. So I mean, you could be paying. Yeah. You could <laughs> that's be exactly renting. what it is. You could yeah. be renting some sort of executive <laughs> <laughs> home for like $5,000 a room. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it
6: is. And then, you know, of course, Goleta, too, maybe. Yeah.
1: Then, well, I
6: know Marin County's often in
0: that, you know, discussion of most expensive areas. I have a number here, and maybe you
6: That's,
1: guys kind that, a... that feels like old news, man. Yeah, Marin's <laughs> expensive. So it's Palo Alto, isn't that, you know? <laughs> right next door, right? Yeah, There's another totally.
6: number here that I'm kind of interested in, and maybe you guys can kind of elaborate on it, because it says housing units, 118,198 uh, units, but then it says households, hundred one thousand seven hundred and eight so that means there must be 18,000
0: that are are not occupied not occupied currently that's what I take it to mean seems like a lot I mean I guess there's always some properties that are in a
1: state of transition but that does seem like a lot and there's some that are vacant sure I know guys their entire business is taking care of second homes here for people from the California Valley that enjoy coming over here as often as they can but their income is earned there. So that must be there that
0: that could factor in vacancies as well as second homes. You know, mm. if they're not a household, maybe they're not a household because it's just someone's second home.
6: Or maybe it's because we have so many college students, maybe at the time of the census they were vacant.
1: You know, Possibly. I I wow. think that what we should do is find ourselves a guest for the show. That knows these numbers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody that authored or updates the housing element for San Luis County and see if we can't get um I mean, interesting discussion. Doesn't everybody want to know more about that? I do. Yeah, I do. I love finding out about how many houses there are and how many types of houses, how many are empty and why.
0: Well, the other thing that just I can't get out of my mind since Mary's call is, um, you know, we've known the population's been growing probably since about the beginning of time. Um, Yet we've made very few strides in how to handle our water and waste. You know, some things are really good at making advancements on. You know, we can now, like, get crushed ice out of our refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, we, we have ice, right? That's a that's a good advancement. And there's not even anybody in there crushing it. <laughs> I know. It's just <laughs> a machine that just grinds it up. <laughs> Sometimes it leaks on out on its own. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, this idea of, of what we do with our waste, how we get our water, those things, yeah, we figured it out, you know, 100 years ago. We'll just, well, we'll good enough. We'll just keep riding with that. Why don't don't we make improvements there so that we can continue to handle the population growth? Because when you got
1: home yesterday (laughs) at the end of the
0: hard week, isn't someone's,
1: isn't there, doesn't someone have that job? No. 40 hours a week before they get home? Maybe they do. However, you know that most of these things had like hit a critical point of like almost emergency before people even care. Wait, we're not going to have any water? in November, um, you know, that causes people to like, to worry about it a little bit. Um, the reality is, is that I don't think most people care. Uh, you know, like we had the, the sewage dudes on here before, right? We've actually had a, a small sampling of them. We talked to some of the guys that, uh, are working on the sewer plant out in Morro Bay, but also we had in, um, somebody from San Luis Obispo and I've been there. Okay. I, when I was in school, we studied it. It's fascinating to me. I really think it's amazing the way that, I mean, that's a tertiary plant, but you want to know what one of the steps is. One of the first steps is separating the solids from the liquids. And you know what happens to the solids? Fertilizer. We're right over here off of Zaka, okay? This is like... Yeah. I, I Depending don't, on the direction of I the breeze. I a golf can... ball into a pile of poo over here that's out in, in freestanding air, okay? But they have these concrete pools, basically, for lack of a better word, that they fill up with solid matter. And it's, it's weight. It, it dries and gets a little bit um, more shippable. And then it's filled into trucks and it's driven out of here. Where's it driven to? Who cares? (laughs) I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but that's the deal. Central Valley, where you go. The recipient cares. It does. Honestly, a lot of it does. I think that, from what what I recall, I think a lot of that is used as um, fertilizer, and it's used as fertilizer for things that are not for consumption, really, of anything, so... It could be used for example to grow like you know cotton maybe or something like that where it's going to be some sort of textile as opposed to something that's going to be consumed anyway that's a problem okay the problem that we're still filling it up in 18-wheelers at four bucks a gallon and hauling it over a hill for some other purpose um, so no, I, I really honestly think that most of this stuff is simply reacting to full blown emergencies. And you gotta imagine this happened in the first place as people started going, all right, we gotta start figuring out how to get this poop out of here. <laughs> it's really piling up. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't you plan didn't you have a better plan when you started building houses and people came here for whatever they were coming here for to, you know, work at Port San Luis or work for the railroad or something? It's like well, when it was just like ten families, it wasn't that big of a deal. But now there's like, now we have like a corner of the village that's like the poop corner, and that's not okay. <laughs> so that, I think that's how a lot of these issues have come to be. I mean, what like we were talking during the break about the Atascadero Lake thing. mm mm-hmm. uh, They're dredging it, um, and you 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 got right to the heart of the matter. What does Atascadero need with a man-made lake? Um, It's a little vain, I think, or whatever. I, I want to go a step farther and just say, what's the deal with man-made lakes in general? In fact, one of the problems we have in this great state of California is that this place is virtually an arid desert. And we've like built over it as though it was an oasis type of utopia and then we use dams so (laughs) so much water yeah but it's like dams can't even do it anymore now it's got to get like piped in from all over the place and everybody's got to share and fight over sharing and at the end of the day the problem is is that um we're not the water issue here is not really ever going to be resolved and um what people are going to realize, I think in our generation here is that cheap water is what's gone. Water's just got to get a lot more expensive before people are going to care about it. Mm -hmm. And like right now, Hey, only go water your, um, your lawn a couple days a week or something. Right. Or don't wash your car unless it's parked in the center of your lawn. There's these things that are being talked about how you're supposed to conserve. Um, well, that's fantastic now that some of our reservoirs are at, like, 3% capacity. Mm-hmm. This should have been the practice all along, mm-hmm. right? Actually, yeah. We should what actually did, be doing it. How on earth riders. did we get to this Absolutely. point where, like, Cambria is, like, literally going, you know, who's going to get that last drop? Yeah. That that shouldn't be the kind of issue that it is, but that's because, honestly, I don't think enough people care about it until it's mm-hmm. going to affect them. Right? Well, Yeah.
6: And actually, a Tascadero having lakefront property and not to pick on Wes gives you lakefront property, yeah, something for him to go out and sell having a man-made lake.
1: Hey, yeah, you but. know, I'm gonna I'll be the first to tell you that there's something about a sense of place, and that's important too. Mm-hmm. We don't want all of the places that we live just to be utility yeah. in nature. Tascadero's got a lot of beautiful features and, and the lake is one of them. And when the lake is nice. full, yeah. it is a it That's is cool. a, a nice little attribute and it gives people a sense of pride and mm-hmm. kind of beautifies the city. I don't think there's a problem with that. I'm glad they're not trying to fill it up right now.
6: Well, if we're um, going to pick on a Tascadero, why does San Luis have Laguna Lake?
0: They don't. They
6: don't. They don't anymore. So.
1: It,
0: it, but yeah, it's a yeah,
1: mm-hmm. same issue. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's a... It would be just better if there was a broader understanding of the needs and limited resources that we have, and people were schooled up with that in mind. I think the trouble is, is that our whole economy is based on being consumers, so we're just we're. We're really good at that. We're really good at, like, you. I don't know a lot about where that poop goes after I flush it, (laughs) but let me tell you about how to buy something off of your smartphone (laughs) and make sure you get the best deal on, you know, and don't don't use PayPal. That doesn't have, like, you know, the fair trade agreements of, like, whatever. You know, it's all this, that kind of thing. We're good at that. We're good at the (laughs) consumer side of it, but people nobody's interested we sacrifice advancement for the sake of
0: consumerism i was thinking about this the other day <laughs> think about you've you've told me the old honda cvcc right that oh, was yes. i remember that was the first car i recall ever being in
1: was my dad's honda cvcc what what kind of gas mileage did you get oh i had one of those that got like 30 something miles the gallon and, and this this car was uh, I, this is in the 80s this was mine was like a 79 yeah right yeah we've come
0: a long way right I have two spatulas in my in my kitchen. Wow. The one of them is from the '70s. That thing will never die. And I have a newer one from Bed Bath and Beyond, a couple yeah. years old. Stupid things
6: breaking right now. I know it's
0: crazy, isn't
1: it? Yeah,
6: the, the, it's the quality and materials.
1: Well, yeah. when Best Buy opened in slow. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying a refrigerator there. Was it that part in my life where I was kind of becoming of a, gr- a grown up, you yeah. know? And Best Buy had a 0% financing on a credit yeah. card and I just thought, "Man, that's just a, like a coming of age thing to have a legit refrigerator." So, yeah. Well, you know, there was a hole in the box where like <laughs> it punched the back of the fridge and like put a hole in it. Like not 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 affecting the functionality at all actually not even the aesthetic appeal because it was the part that goes against your wall mm-hmm. unless you guys do you guys do freestanding fridges yeah. so anyway i got a good deal on this thing and i thought <laughs> this thing was like a 2500 hundred dollar fridge i got for like 1600 bucks had some space age stuff on it could crush mm-hmm. ice i mean i it felt like a big deal to us that stupid thing broke after like four years isn't that crazy and all i could think is that my grandma's got a fridge that's older than my mom and it's still out in the carport right now, keeping like the hostess pies cold. And I don't know how much that thing costs to run. Yeah, it sucks but it's so running. running yeah, they just don't make things like they used to. That's I, a, that's I a sad same, reality. On the same lines, I have a um,
6: hand mixer that was my like my great grandmother's from like the twenties. The shoulder-driven one. No, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> right? like, it's called a beater. It's, I like, think. it's electronic with a little button on the end. Oh, the thing'll kick butt over any hand mixer you have today. All right. I've gone through hand mixers that, you know, just, they die after a couple of years. This one, it's from the 20s, and in our 20s or 30s, and it still
1: works. One of my good buddies is an engineer trained at Cal Poly, and one of his favorite things to tell me about is the designing of breakpoints. And I, I think it's true. You know, you had, uh, like the, the Maytag guy, you don't want to build a product that you never even have to service or that somebody can buy one for their whole life and be done. Um, so they design stuff now to break. But that's back to the original yeah. point. Why aren't we – why don't
0: we get away from that? mentality and get back to how do we solve problems going forward long term let's not create waste let's not (laughs) let's let's figure out how to solve some of these problems like water and other things with our technology we have all this technology all this all this education yet we're not like advancing certain aspects of of life that make life better
6: well not to no offense against like hamilton beach but hamilton beach wants to sell you another mixer yeah in a couple of years (laughs) That's the
1: deal. <laughs> Irresponsible. I mean, it comes down, down to profitability.
0: <laughs> and We've got these smart engineers designing things to break so you'll buy another one instead of fixing our wastewater situation or our drinking water situation. Let's get those engineers working on that stuff. It doesn't pay enough. It could. Well, It's got to be a lot of money in fixing that. that kind of problem, right?
1: Like the sewer thing?
0: Like you said, I mean... You just pay... I mean, people are going to pay more for water. The way we're going, we're just going to run
1: out of it. Uh, Not run out. It's just going to get really expensive. A a few years ago, my dad called me about this house. He was really excited about this house down in Temecula that he just couldn't understand why it was such a ridiculous deal and went to go look at this house. This house was built up on the top of a hill, and it really was a cool house. But the problem was um, it was on... I don't know if bedrock's the right term because can you have bedrock up in a hill? I don't know. But at any rate, there was no water on this property and not possible, like if they drilled a well, the well would have to be like, you know, a few thousand feet deep, which just meant there was no well. A few thousand feet of drilling through rock. So there's a house up there in Temecula with no water. You can't. You cannot do something to be able to have water there other than it coming up on a truck as often as your tank empties out. In that house, that's a real thing. People do that. And as crazy as it sounds, there's a, there's a potentiality for that to happen um, for all of us to find ourselves in a position where that... You're on a well or you're on a community well or some sort of mutual water district that depends on your local California aquifer that we pinch because we use the water broom to wash the driveway for 50 years. Um, It could very well. (laughs) I remember doing that. Dude, everybody did that. Water broom like. And then then once you're water brooming a leaf pile that gets like a foot tall, now you really got to like. Keep pounding at it. So this is like, you know, trying to float your leaf pile as you're water-brooming down to the street. Well, you develop some technique, and you get it to, like, fold over on right? Get yeah. it kind of tumbling, a yeah. little tootsie roll action. That's right. The fact that you and I know that, it, that's ridiculous. So... Um, And again, this place is truly pretty desert-esque around here. We may end up in a position where we have to have water trucked in or desalinized out there um, or something. So we're never going to be out of water. That's crazy. You're going to be out of cheap water. How's the Tascadero Lake doing? You're going to be out of cheap water. How's Laguna Lake doing? Yeah. How's Nasi doing? That was all cheap water. Uh. (laughs) It's gone now. Or it'll rain a lot this winter. The El Nino's well, coming. We're gonna fill these things. Where's back the expensive up the water plant? Will stop talking about where it.
0: Where are now. they making the expensive water?
1: Um, I is it, isn't there like a proposal
0: <laughs> to like yeah at Avion right?
1: No, they're you're just you're making, making the de- water. You desalinate water. That's where the expensive we gotta we gotta get, get a caller or something
0: because <laughs> this conversation is getting silly. It's true. <laughs> Uh, see, Mary, this is what happens when you call in and give
1: us an open-ended, open-ended call like that. We uh, it. The previous <laughs> caller, though, that did not want to go on the air pointed out that um, people weren't refinancing to buy lake houses now because there are no lake houses. Yeah. Thanks, Marilyn. That's true. <laughs> it's a good reminder. Hey, we've got Amy from Bradley. She's going to get us
0: back on track. All right. <laughs> Hi, Amy.
7: Good morning. I just have to put my two cents in. All right, We're let's do it. In the Pacific Ocean—that's
0: a big body of water. huh?
7: To spend the money on a train to nowhere when we could be doing desal. The problem with desal is we don't have the electricity to run the pump. They don't want us to spend the money or the electricity to get the water. Let's and use wave energy to, to power our desal plant. Water.
1: Or we could just say that Diablo is only allowed to keep doing nuclear bombs out here if they uh, add in a water part to it and give us all water.
7: Well, you know, there's lots of places around here that use diesel. That the refinery up on the Mesa has diesel for their their uses. You know, it's possible, but nobody wants to do it. They want to spend all that billions of dollars on a ridiculous train to nowhere. Yeah they took that money and invested even a portion of it into desal, we wouldn't have this problem. But then they couldn't control the masses. It's all about people control Uh and where you live and how you
1: live. See, so I agree. Desal is a good option. When we're out of this cheap water, then we'll be using that more expensive water. That's where it's coming. Thanks for the call. There's
7: a lot of places in the world that use desal. Right. Oh, Atascadero Lake, the reason they have Atascadero Lake is it used to be the big, giant drainage pond where all the city watered, the road water drained down in there. Right. That's like a low spot in the city. So they just took advantage of it, and the rest of the year when the water was there, they just looked at it and fed the ducks.
0: Yeah, they need somewhere to put the ducks, right?
1: <laughs> yep. Bye. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> well, Dan, we've mildly gone
0: off topic. Yeah, but we've only got five more minutes before the break. You know, I mean, ocean levels are rising, so it's kind of like inviting us to use some of that water. The ocean's over there just saying, hey, got got a little extra here for you.
1: I'm not sure (laughs) that. You
0: keep storm draining it to me. I'm going to give it back.
1: (laughs) 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 One of the shows that I watch is about these guys in Alaska that live on a homestead that's completely off the grid. And uh, it's pretty fascinating, actually. But um, they're wrestling this year because it was such a mild winter. The ground thawed too early. And the uh, livestock is now, like, stuck in the mud. They're struggling with all this stuff. Really, I mean, it looks like it's just, like, climate change. And I don't know if it's something in the cycle or truly, like, their way of life is now being impacted um, and if we all had that, if most of the people had that same thing, like if most of the people around here were really like out of water, imagine if you just couldn't use your water for like, you know, but on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, uh, people would then get a lot more conscientious about how much water they use and sure. you know, how long those showers are and stuff. That's a thing. I think until it affects the majority of people, and probably in their pocketbook, then what we'll find is there's not enough people caring. They just want to go do their thing.
0: Well, people care. I mean, we've seen the state usage go down not quite by the 20% goal, but what's like 10 ish or so, maybe a little more, 10, 12%. Mm-hmm. So people care, but there are certain sacrifices people are willing to make and certain but it doesn't seem as serious for everyone to to really do drastic measures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you doing anything drastic at your house?
0: No. Nothing drastic. I'm not like catching water in a bucket in the shower or anything. But, you know, trying to okay. I, I don't know. It's yeah, well, the and... there's an effort but not the drastic uh, effort. Right.
1: Yeah, it's the emergency honestly that causes people to really like crank down. Um I don't wash my car. Right. So that's I mean I'm doing my part right there. I'm just afraid my neighbors would come out and like throw rocks at me or that's something what if I, I was. Think too. Well, you know, that and I it, I don't like washing my car. But I think it's okay though if you wash it in your yard, right? Oh, on your lawn. Just park your car in your lawn and then wash it. Then you're like watering your no. car lawn. Who knows, man. I, oh. I have no idea looking
0: forward to the next hour
1: yeah you know um, there's we, a lo- there's a lot of like real estate news and stuff to talk about we never really got all the way into it <laughs> but um, there are there's existing home sales new home sales a lot of a lot of real estate numbers that's gonna be fun to talk about I thought we could have an interesting conversation too about this um Zillow came out with a new a new little um their spin on why millennials um, aren't buying as many homes as they could or should be i've got some interesting
0: topic about fannie mae the future of fannie mae and freddie mac both of them now it's exciting it is yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of ironic really
1: it is oh yeah you're gonna love it i'm I'm kind of excited. I know nothing about that. I'm ready to talk about that with you.
6: See, Dan just did a great tease for the next hour. I did, yeah. A
1: great tease. Yeah. You're going to love that. Don't go anywhere. I got to know, though, just I don't tell me too much because I like to be surprised, but uh, is it going to end up in one thing? Because right now there's still Fanny and there's Freddy, and I don't know why you have to keep doing two when they both... Required bailout money. It feels like it should. So there's make competition. One? So there's competition. Oh, so we can have government-controlled entities that compete with one another. Yes. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> All right, <laughs> makes good sense, guys. We got um, the top of the hour break coming up here in just a minute. So just want to remind you that um, we're going to be. Out for about five minutes will be some news. There'll be some stuff like that. You guys can go. There may even
0: be political ads, but they have to run there. They're not because we endorse these candidates.
6: There actually is one.
0: Yeah. We got <laughs> called by our uh, by our radio buddy rep who uh, who said, who warned us, they have to run them because all these, it's, it's election time and they're all buying up the spots. Huh. Um, but we're not endorsing these candidates. They just have
1: to run there. Yeah. Jeez. Well, listen to our sponsors, but not the political ones because we don't actually get anything for that. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to do a commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes here for another hour. Of mortgage matters. Do stick around.
2: Tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800 549 5832. Now, back to the show.
0: All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's the 10 o'clock hour. Glad you have stuck with us through uh, all kinds of interesting debate and conversation. Jason's going to join us in a minute here. He's just doing a very American thing and getting some bottled water. I was grabbing some water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Had a really interesting call during the break about, you know, things that could be you know, things that are, that are used in other parts of the world, a little more sustainable way of life that he pointed out, you know, looked at a lot in Cambria for 30 grand. He's like, man, I could, I could replicate what we did in Panama, but of course, you're not allowed to do those things. Um, you have to conform to the way we live here. But he said, man, it would be interesting just to take a few lots and develop them just to see how, how people could live in a more sustainable way prove that it's possible anyway we swore we were going to get off the water topic and get onto things that are a little closer to home so let's do that yeah let's do that
1: um well my curiosity's peaked i'm I'm interested to talk with you a little bit about uh the old fannie mae freddie mac sure and I'll start by saying this. Uh, I, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were placed in conservatorship in 2008, right? I think was that about it? Yep. I think it was the summer of 08. Anyway, problem was Fannie Mae was started in the 30s as I'm more or less an initiative to...
0: Provide stability to to the home mortgage market.
1: And create affordability and home ownership opportunity for the average American. I mean, isn't this been the quest of the country now as uh, kind of identified this way? But point is, that's funny you wrote that except for you spelled it wrong both ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I got it wrong. Yeah,
0: Fannie Mae brought predictability to your mortgage payment. They offered... I mean, that's when fixed-rate mortgages became a part of home ownership.
1: Yeah, sure. The big deal here is that... Um, And this is, this I think is a really interesting conversation even for the average person is uh, to get a little bit of an understanding about how the home loan industry works and what kind of what, what's necessary in here to keep it running is I'll tell you this, like we're, we're a lender. Okay. We're, we're a direct lender. We have ability to lend our, um, our money for you to buy a house. One of the problems here, though, is that you need that money for 30 years and I can't make a 30 year living off of making one loan for 30 years. So because of a limited resources, um, I need the ability to make that loan to you and then sell it to somebody else who's interested in a long term game plan because those people do exist. Um, When you stop and think about the kind of companies that are required to have long-term assets where they need money, um, people's money, yeah, pension funds or life insurance companies, there are a variety of different companies that they need capital investments that are um, going to be a long-term investment and cash flow. It's a predictable yield. Yeah, with a predictable yield. That's exactly it. Uh, But one of the troubles becomes, how do I... Um, how do I do this t- in a way that um if I'm going to sell you a loan, I need to be able to kind of have a common ground with you and um in a way that you can expeditiously review and buy what it is that we're agreeing that you're buying. And so you go from regional bank to regional bank, and way back when, before Fannie Mae, several problems existed in the market. Number one is there wasn't a way for guys to and bankers to easily sell banks' um, loans and to trade amongst each other to free up money. You know, like if there's a boom town, for example, where things are really going nuts and everyone's buying and building houses, the banks in that town might run out of money. Then there's a town a few towns over, they've got a bank, and they're not in their boom cycle, and they're kind of flush with cash. In fact, a lot of their people are wanting more um, interest to be made, but you know the loans aren't going out because the economy's not ripping white hot like it is in Boomtown. So those bankers get together and they talk, and the money moves. The um, Boomtown gets an influx of fresh cash, sells out their loans, to the other bank that's looking for an ability to make and pay interest, and the cycle keeps going. But because of the way banks work, oftentimes these loans were short term, they're adjustable rate loans. And because of the nature of the depository funds, these banks um, could really call the loan due, even on a A good old family farm where the payment's been made as agreed for years on end and everybody is happy with the transaction. If the bank really needs the money, they have that ability to come in and say, hey, you've got to figure out how to get new money or sell your farm or something, we need our money back. And that, all of that part of it, the lack of affordability, the lack of dependable available funds, the lack of fixed terms and fixed rates, um that prevented people the average person from believe those were the barriers to entry so the government sponsored fannie mae right which is a was a private company and that's really how it's been all along fannie mae said we'll provide the standards and even come up with some sort of guarantees about if you follow these standards, there's protection for you. And everybody that underwrites a loan to that standard, it's basically a currency. You know it's acceptable to anybody that is familiar with Fannie Mae and deals in it. So the interesting thing is, is that Fannie Mae cruised along for a long time, I think from 39 till 79 with no real competition. And then in 79, it was decided that Fannie was freaky. Fannie Mae was just too big. It was a private enterprise still, government-sponsored, you know, and I'm doing air quotes with that. Nobody really understood what that sponsorship actually meant. The shareholders to Fannie Mae made gobs of profit. Um, But it was thought that if, if there was ever corruption or the cooking of the books or major correction in a real estate market. If Fannie Mae was over leveraged, all of these things, just too scary to have the entire U.S. housing industry in so much of one basket um, that it was virtually ordered, Congress said, to make Freddie Mac, right? 79, we got Freddie Mac. They never got much market share. I mean, Fannie's still 80% Freddie, 20 The companies both essentially went bankrupt in 2008. Nobody knew what to do about it, but you knew you couldn't lose the DNA of what lending is in this country, so the government went in and took them over. So there you are. We've been at this now for six years in conservatorship, and um, there's been a lot of speculation about what's going to happen, but we're coming into major election time and – I kind of thought this was going to be saved for one of the presidential, um, you know, because it's an opportunity for the two sides to align uh, party lines with the politics and business of the housing industry. and that would be saved for them to be, you know, kind of like the the new social uh, issue du jour that we could make about politics. But it doesn't, I mean, it keeps getting talked about. So,
0: I I, think you think I'm going to say something completely different than what I'm about to say.
1: I I have no idea what you're about to say, but I'm ready now.
0: Yeah. So that was a really um, in-depth introduction (laughs) to uh,
1: (laughs) You don't have big news, do you?
0: I I wasn't expecting that, no. (laughs) All right, man. Um, Yeah, so there has been a lot of talk since the, the mortgage meltdown about, dissolving fannie mae and freddie mac they dumbed down guidelines as a result of losing a lot of market share um during you know when wall street was able to create guidelines and buy mortgages and and create really dumb guidelines and buy dumb mortgages because
1: of no regulation whatsoever
0: so fannie mae and freddie mac dumbed their standards down below what they would typically buy and just by the nature of the business being in real estate everyone who owned real estate whether you did a dumb mortgage or a you know a traditional full doc mortgage felt the 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 problem of of being involved in real estate Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were no different so there's been a lot of talk about winding them down they've they've kind of been scapegoated a little bit as as one of the major problems i disagree with that this news actually signals to me that maybe that talk is just completely gone that there is no discussion about removing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Now the discussion from the Federal Housing Finance Agency is uh, to restore the the 3% down mortgage to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that they used to do that they took away a few years ago. Right now Fannie Mae and Freddie require a 5% minimum down payment. Now they're talking about making that a 3% down payment which is what they used to. It was called the Flex 97.
1: Oh yeah. Very flexible. Yeah,
0: it's a flexible loan. But it kind of puts them in more direct competition with FHA and some of the other low-down
1: programs. Um, What's fascinating about the – yeah, and you touched on this. When we first started doing Mortgage Matters, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were a a pretty big deal. And not only just getting up to speed on what it meant, but um, I want to elaborate for a second on what you said about how Fannie got – Roped into participating in the kind of lending that they were no good at, (laughs) and no one that no one that's what I was gonna say. (laughs) Then it proves that nobody's actually good at giving people a loan when they've got no skin in the game, um, and no any like you know attributes whatsoever. Um, but the reality is, I think Fannie and Freddie did always have the tools to do a really good job, and they had years and years and years of, of proven track record. And, um, well, you remember. Um, it came down to it if somebody walked into the office in 2003 and they wanted a Fannie Mae loan, we could do it, and typically the profit on that would be between a quarter and a half a point profit margin. If that same person could, however, be encouraged to get themselves into a negatively amortizing option arm um, with or without the optional uh, balloon second, those could sell for 6% profit margin. So, do you pedal the quarter percent or do you pedal the six percent? Um, as more and more companies began peddling the six percent, Fanny realizes that they no longer have the volume. Um, or profitability they take to keep doing what they need to do. And lending turned into such an industry of convenience. You know, your credit score being 800 is so good that we don't want to bother you with bringing in your tax returns. So, how about this? Everybody with an 800 credit score, uh, you can skip proving your income. And then, and that's where it began. Uh, in an effort to compete and maintain or regain market share they tried to be convenient and what happened then was left in the hand of loan officers they came out saying hey there's a new stated income program where if you have good credit you can say you make whatever you want (laughs) that's the kind of thing that in hindsight we know that's how it played out so is
0: this a repeat is this a dumbing down of guidelines in an effort to uh you know pick up market share in a down purchase market or is this a prudent lending guideline change you know a three percent down payment versus a five percent down payment granted it's a full doc deal
1: hey it's hard to save a down payment today if you went if you went to college and you got student loans and you're trying to make ends meet and you're doing everything you're doing you know we are a nation of consumers you need to have a fancy car you need to have fancy clothes you got to have a new iphone you know with a mega screen every 24 months that's a we're on a path of saving money is just not that cool so how then do you wrestle the fact that we've got um houses now in the country that are at a median price now of a couple 250,000 bucks if you need to save the down payment too many people can't save it anymore so if you can't save it then what remove the remove the requirement for these folks to save that's why I mean what it's laughable, I think it's funny, but it, I think it's just kind of a sign of the times, and the reality is in order to keep the machine running, they need more people interested in buying houses, and those people are losing interest because they don't have the savings. So you got to lower the bar, right? I mean that's so yeah, I think we do the same thing again. We dumb down the requirements again um, in history repeats itself, and we've got a caller
0: waiting patiently on the line, Jeff. From Los Osos. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to the
8: yeah, show. D- yeah, Dan, I'm surprised you didn't, uh, you didn't um, come out with a better
0: tone. Uh, You're breaking up a little bit there. I was having trouble hearing you. <laughs> oh,
8: look, the way I look at it is um, the housing recovery is being driven not by first time home buyers. For people who want to trade up, but by wealthy people who don't even need mortgage, a mortgage loan.
6: Jeff, you need to turn your radio all the way down, please.
8: All right. Hold on. How does this volume work when you need it? Okay, there it goes. How's that? It's uh, it's about the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about the same.
8: Oh, how did you sing a song? now, now listen um, most middle class Americans still hold most of their wealth as equity in their homes. Is that correct?
0: I believe so, yeah,
8: and won't achieve a sustainable recovery until we fix the housing
6: market. Jeff, you're cutting way too out, so we're gonna to have to let you go. But maybe Dan can answer that question.
0: Um, yeah, I, I I think he's right that they're you know most middle class Americans, what's left of them, do hold their wealth in home equity. It's it's something that's been critical to getting this economy jump-started is restore, recovering the housing market. And I think maybe this move by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to try to spur some some new folks into home ownership, the first-time homebuyer um, segment, by by lowering the down payment requirements, is a way to help help that that along. Um, you know, Dan, There I'd... were some numbers here. Well, I, j- I just want to finish that thought. First-time homebuyers in the most recent home sales report are, are representing just 29% of sales. The historic average for first-time home buyer participation is 40%. Right. So the the down payment issue is certainly a problem, but you had kind of foreshadowed that there may be a perception issue as well. The perception of home ownership has yeah,
1: changed. The perception of home is thought to have changed a little bit too. And you gotta keep in mind that um, we're trying to study human behavior and understand why it is that these preferences are changing. So there's lots of theories, and a lot of it is hard to substantiate, but um, I read this week that a, a new study was done um, looking at marital status as one of the drivers in that first-time home ownership. And so taking and breaking down, rather than just looking at the demographic as a whole, see if there's a correlation to married and employment status as far as um, the home ownership numbers. Um Homeownership rate is above historical level for young married couples, um, especially young married couples that are engaged in full-time employment. Um, That seems like kind of a a no-brainer to me because it's also above the level right now for the millennials, um, young single adults working full-time. Those people own more homes now than ever before. So this is people in both of the demographic of married and single these are the full time employed and um then it goes on to say that home ownership rate has declined over the last 4 decades among married couples where only one spouse is working full time then home ownership where um one of in the married couple where one spouse works full-time and one works part-time even those numbers for home ownership have declined too um whereas in the single market there's no change in home ownership rate over um single adults that are working full or part-time Hmm. so i think one of the things here is that it's funny it, it, I wanted to just say about Jeff, Jeff's called the show a few times before, and he always seems pretty hung up on the equity portion of what his home is worth. And I don't think that's very different than many of us that own homes. However, I want to tell you that I'm going to argue that the health of the economy here is less about the equity that we have in our home, because isn't it really perceived equity? Until, until, you, you, until sell you sell it, it. <laughs> yeah. what does it matter? I mean, it may make you feel a little bit better about your tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm going to argue that we need to realign people's perception with what their home is. Yes, it's an investment, and your kids are going to love that you were so diligent and paid it off for them. Um, They're going to have a bunch of money. You know, the joke is that the sign goes in the ground before the body. And um, that's all. I, I get that's your goal. Many people like me. I need to I need to pay my house off uh before retirement age because that's a big obstacle for me as a self-employed guy is I, I can't have a house payment when it's time to be done working additionally I need some other savings for income but that payment is a really big one um so you get back to this core issue is it about equity or perceived equity or is it about the employment status part of it and and what when this,
0: I hear those numbers and it's You know, it's the family unit that's having trouble, or that where we're seeing the home ownership rates decline. It tells me that it's more expensive to, um, you know, to support a family than it used to be. But to be a single person out on your own, really, the costs there haven't changed so much.
1: I think the disparity here is what people can afford, and the reality is is that home prices have outpaced growth in wages and for people to be able to afford a home today usually means that you need more than one income in the household and you usually need more than one uh full-time income in the household and you know so that's just the reality of it and that's but at the same time here let me throw
0: this out at you people still need a place to live and with the prospect of owning Costing the same roughly the same per month as renting isn't owning still the better option
1: Um, yeah, and here's why for me anyway, and and I think this is some I think and this also by the way, this is a problem of Um us as a as a culture right now. We're getting away We're getting away from the delayed gratification. Okay If you want to buy yourself a house Let's say you're 25 years old, okay? You say, I'm going to buy this house. It's going to cost me 2500 bucks a month, or I'm going to be able to rent it for 1800 I got my student loans. I still need to buy some more respectful furniture. I haven't traveled the way I want. I'm probably going to get married. Or if I'm already married, then I there's all these needs, there's all this stuff and if we have kids and there's daycare bills or whatever. And I think some people are just going, I'm not going to I'm not going to strap myself down to that ball and chain of owning. But one of the things that we're forgetting here is that when you buy a house at 25 that you're paying let's say in that same scenario you're paying 2,500 bucks a month for something you might be able to rent for 1800 that person let's just take those two people in parallel and look at them in 15 years the t- they're both 40. <laughs> the dude that rents how much is his rent? I don't even know. it's a it's lot to have gone up it's gone up. How much is the guy's house payment that bought his house 15 years ago? 2,500 bucks. It's the same. You know, it's gonna, the property taxes are gonna go up a little bit. uh, But the fact is, is that you're sort of locking in your fixed expenses over the long haul and then that's how you look at those generations of people that have got equity and wealth is that they they made hard decisions for 15 years, for 20 years, for 30 years, for 50 years. They, they delayed that gratification and got themselves into a position now where the people that are buying have significantly higher taxes. The people that are buying are paying higher interest. They're paying way more for the price of the home. And the people that had them from yesteryear are just relatively in a better spot from having done it before. And I don't, th- I think that that's one of the things that these millennials don't realize is that the value of that. And that's not, that's not what's being talked about. We're not, we're not out encouraging people to hey, t- look down the road and, and have a look at, they go, I've a lot of people, and I remember feeling this way when I was 22, 23 years old was, um, I'm never going to do what my grandpa did. I'm not going to be able to buy a house for 30,000 bucks and have it be, you know, paid off and worth a half a million dollars or whatever it is. But, you know, when I moved to San Luis Obispo in 1998, I um looked at buying a house out in Los Osos. We were considering trying to go down that road. I looked at a pretty cool house out there for 180 grand. And no, it wasn't like the 30 grand my grandpa paid. In fact, I remember being pretty horrified about how much that cost and everything. Um, and ultimately, what happened was with rates and everything the way that it was, it was gonna be uh, like 1,300 bucks a month for owning it. And um, to be renting it, we, we ended up renting a house very similar to that for 900 bucks a month, which felt like a lot of money, man, a lot of money. Now today, I want you to go find me a three-bedroom house in Los Osos that you can rent for 900 bucks a month or a three-bedroom house in Los Osos that you can buy for $1,300 a month. Come on back when you found a few of those. So that those are the kind of things we have to remind people is that the romantic, it's not just a romantic idea that you can buy real estate and over time accumulate great wealth and also have bought Um, and you know, had an appreciating asset that gets you a little bit closer to getting out of the rat race. Um, some of these kids, as you know, I talked about in an article about these millennials a few weeks ago, they're different too, because they're doing online dating. Um, they're not wanting to be tied down because their next hookup on match.com might have them moving to Santa Barbara. Um, people don't have jobs for 20 years the way they used to, um, a lot of people have jobs for a couple of years. Well, and a lot
0: of people don't work in the traditional office environment. They telecommute, telecommute or
1: whatever. So they can be yeah. anywhere. And if you're going to if you can or should be anywhere, do you really want to tie yourself down to owning something somewhere? And so I'm just, I'm going to go on to argue that those things there, that's that delayed gratification that's that thing to say, you know, so you sit down logically with a plan and figure the whole thing out. Owning a home is still very important. And yes, you're going to give up some of your portability, your ability to date off of um, another state or to potentially, you know, hop around and telecommute from any old zip code. You're going to give a little bit of that up. But I think what this generation, a lot of these people that are in the millennials here that are not buying, they're going to find themselves in a position of really wishing they had um because it it only gets harder to enter the market later and later right i mean it's just um uh, but you you brought up um first time home buyers how they're it's down to about 26% of 29. purchase 29 <clears throat> so it's up even yeah. after a couple months um it's traditionally closer to 40 and um you know the those guys that aren't buying houses i mean we we heard a month or so ago that um about 25% of home purchases last year involved gift funds, where somebody in the family was giving them money for the down payment. I'll tell you, it's not very op- often that I have somebody walk into my office that's managed to save 80000 bucks over the last five years, and they're ready to buy. It just doesn't happen that way a lot. Well, and the people who've been scared out of the market
0: because of the competitiveness, th- that environment's changed a lot. Um the investor share of sales has fallen year over year um, from roughly 20% to 14%. So investors are representing less of the buyers than a year ago. And um, Redfin, which is another online um, online listing service real estate company, they reported that only 44% of offers nationwide faced a bidding war last month um, compared to a high of 75% of offers facing a bidding war in March of last year. So the competitive nature of, of going out and purchasing a home is a lot less today than it was a couple years ago. So if that was a reason for people being scared out, that environment's changed a lot and the the home price appreciation isn't um, out of control like it was for the last few years, it's now a more modest, reasonable, sustainable amount. Um, so you can kind of go out there and, and have a little more confidence when you're purchasing that you're
1: getting something where you really know what the value is. I I obviously have a little bit better grasp of what's going on here locally than I do about what's going on elsewhere. I have a lot of clients that are pre-qualified right now to buy their first home and some even for move-up homes. And I'm, I'll tell you... And I'd, we could hear from a real estate agent, too, would call in and vouch for this. But if you're buying what is kind of the um, the standard, you know, I don't necessarily want to say entry level, but yeah, kind of that affordable option in any one of these cities around here. In San Luis, that's gonna be like your $500,000 house. In Atascadero, that's gonna be like your $375,000 house. In Osos, so it's your $450,000 house. Around the county, if you if that's your di- your deal where you're after that sort of standard you know entry level house, you've got competition every time. It's multiple offers. I mean it. I, I don't know of very many at all, unless there was some kind of a a pocket listing type of setup where um, somebody was uh, given. head start on the rest of the market but um, I'm constantly hearing about you know there's other offers in and there's counter offers out and you gotta you can't just sit around and and wait like that so um, it is nice that it's not so overheated though I remember before I bought my house um, a few years ago we were involved in a deal where we were told there was like 40 offers and they narrowed it they were countering back nine people and I just remember thinking this is insane that's way too many people to be fighting over a piece of the pie. You know it's going to turn into a bloodbath. Sure. Um, phone call time? 543-8830. Give us a call if you want to ask a question or share a comment. 543-8830. We'll take a phone call now. We have Sean calling from the Valley of the Bears. Good morning. Welcome.
9: Hi, Jason. This is Sean Loveridge.
1: Hey there. How's it going, Sean?
9: Good. Um, just tuning in to your show, and, and I just wanted to say a quick hello. Um, being, I guess, part of the millennial uh, category, I guess I'm kind of uh, opposite of some of what you described. Um, but I just wanted to call and say thanks for helping me get through that uh, initial um, loan situation I had back in
1: 2009. Yeah. So... um yeah, I haven't talked to you in a little bit, but how did that shape up? I mean, you guys—you bought a house. I mean, first of all, Sean saved down payment. He is kind of a a little bit different than some of those other folks we talk about. Saved money, wanted to be in real estate, bought a house. How's it going?
9: Well, I actually got to thank my dad for a little bit of that because he helped me save that over the years. Um, and the the loan you got me into was a FHA loan, three and a half down, uh, five and a quarter. Um, ended up being about $1,600 uh, after taxes and, and uh, insurance and everything. Um, it was tough to get by and it was tough to get the loan through. It was extremely difficult at the time, if you recall. Oh, yeah. Write a number of several letters of explanation. Right. Um, almost borderline harassment, but,
8: <laughs> <laughs>
9: you know, I had an income of $4,000 a month and it was really hard at the time in 2009 to get a loan for, for just 1600
1: Right. And are, um, today, you're glad you did it.
9: Very happy I did it because for a while there, the uh, prices went down in my neighborhood there in San Maria, where you he helped me get the house. But now they're back up, and there's about thirty thousand dollars of of kind of what's um, um, what I'm looking for growth in it.
1: Uh huh. So good. you know,
9: the future looks bright for it. I actually, got some tenants in there a couple uh, months ago. And I'm renting a home in Los Osos now for almost the same price as my mortgage in Santa Maria. Um, but the tenants are basically uh, taking care of the entire mortgage payment. So I highly encourage anybody that's in my age group to really consider getting out of the rental situation. and Quit throwing your money away and go see Jason at Central Coast Lending.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, all right. Thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you. All right. Take care. You too. <laughs> Sounds like, might, oh, nice. <laughs> sounds like we might even need to help Sean buy a place in Oso soon. Santa Maria. Oh, Did he, he say Santa Maria? Well that's where it was. Uh oh, oh, oh. But yeah, I I know they had a a change of employment and you know other things that kind of you know, life's in flux, man. That's a that's yeah. a fun part of it. It's not too predictable.
0: But even when it's in flux, you found a solution. Find renters. They pay for the mortgage. Yeah. It's pretty um, awesome.
1: Hey, so th- we still didn't talk enough about that other housing data stuff. It's 1041. It's time to take a commercial break. I do want to talk about New um, home sales and existing home sales; those numbers came out this week, and I think we can tie this topic together, Dan. About you know what Jeff was saying about until housing's restored, we haven't really fixed um, the economy. And I I know that housing and jobs are so interrelated, but. Um, we talk a little bit about that. So we're going to do our last break of the show. We'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or
2: 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors
1: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property, lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today.
4: When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central
0: Coast Lending
4: what a state of generosity look what my agent got for me just by switching to state farm a few hundred unexpected bucks i couldn't ask for more but now i've got to figure out what i should use it for a new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm Get to a better
2: state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
6: my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did
7: the
3: match
6: he did the monster, match. The monster match.
3: It was
1: a All right, welcome back everybody. It oh, there's only about 15 land. minutes here to go of this last show of October. Pretty soon it's going to be November. We have Halloween next Friday. It's unbelievable. I'm Isn't ready to cool? hang up my Christmas lights. <laughs> No, too, too soon. soon. Too soon. <laughs> I came home the other day to the um, the Christmas tree was in the garage. You know, it's the fake one, of course.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. You guys, you can't. We
6: oh, yeah. got out and got a Christmas tree yet. Well, I mean, <laughs> we, have, we have
1: the we have like the fake one, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> I really do like the live Christmas tree thing, but it ends up um, well or freshly cut. I don't like I don't like the idea of like killing a tree and putting it in a landfill every year for a whole life. So we have the fake one. You gonna get yourself
0: a fresh cut one? Yeah, from a place that grows them specifically for that purpose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and its byproduct <my laughs> is just. I'm farm. not like going into the
6: forest and just cutting down but, old growth trees. See, Dad's
0: supporting the
6: <laughs> local farmers
1: every year. Exactly. that's what i do i'm not i'm not sure i'm buying that (laughs) (laughs) i was pitched a business proposition a few years ago about um so here's the gig if you get yourself uh, a license to be able to drive one of those big long trucks you can go up to like oregon or washington in your truck And the and then buy those trees and then they'll just fill your truck up with them and you drive them down here and sell them for triple what you bought them for and make you know twenty thousand bucks a trip or something ridiculous like that. So I don't know that you're like supporting somebody's local interests here by buying yourself a Christmas tree from the lot. Sadly,
6: well, unless you actually go down and cut the tree down yourself like i think dan might be doing
1: yeah he goes <laughs> him and his bow saw out into the woods i guess yeah i look
0: for the oldest tree i can find okay. something that's done a lot of hard work for the environment and i cut that thing down <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> no, no, the tree. <laughs> Ad- address your hate mail I to dan not me
1: um <laughs> hey so I I wanted to just share some of these stats down at the beginning of the show. You said there was kind of a lot of positive headlines this week and, um, definitely could agree. I noticed the spin as I was preparing everything for the show today that, um, sounding like things are pretty good. First of all, this week there was a number about, um, consumer price index and, um, one has to wonder at this point is do we even care about consumer price index the the feds would like us um, to have a little bit more inflation um, to keep the cost of goods up and increasing so that we don't end up in a deflationary cycle i get all of that Um, read through this really exciting report to find out that things barely got more expensive and probably arguably should be flat. So still no inflation to worry about, continuing to baffle economists um, as to how you can dump so much money into an economy like this and not have runaway inflation. But um, it's still pretty cheap out there. Um, Thursday brought us initial jobless claims. I was teasing on the show a few weeks ago. This is almost one um, to stop talking about. We've got uh, jobless claims every week now are solidly below um, the 300,000 threshold. We're cruising like 14-year low for uh, unemployment claims. Six weeks in a row below 300,000, and
0: applications for unemployment benefits are down 20% from last year.
1: It's That's huge. Good. Those are really good numbers, and it it means good things for all of us. Uh, and it you know it's only a matter of time before uh, working towards this full employment, you know, creating better jobs, see hopefully soon we're gonna see the wage growth coming along with it. But the great first step here is to see less and less people every week showing up for their uh, initial jobless claims. And um, also, we had leading indicators showing what the U.S. economy is looking at, and leading indicators were up. I mean, nothing crazy impressive, but up 0.8%. Uh, this is just a metric kind of showing us about how how it's coming along, um, what's going on with the economy, it sounds like. Um, though it's still a little bit fragile it's feeling a lot better Um, and a couple uh, three different housing metrics this week Um, first and foremost is existing home sales now this is a big one because this shows us that of our existing um, house stock in the country homes that people have lived in before What's gonna sell? And uh, the existing home sale numbers have shown an increase for the month of September from five point zero five million in August to five point one million in September. that's that's good. Um, that's the highest uh, reading there for home sales. That's the highest level of the year. So that gives us some good hope that we're going into um the cold part of the season here on on pretty high notes um it shows building momentum it shows that the market is continuing to recover and i think most importantly it points away from fragility it points away from everybody worry about this and says hey cool that's the best it's been all year that's a fine one let's all look forward to next month now so that really did um that really did help to spur on some uh more confidence there in the housing market. September marked the fifth increase in six months of existing home sales numbers. So that's good news. Um, uh, Let's see, new homes. U.S. single-family homes rose to a six-year high in September. Um, That report was a little bit tempered, I guess, by the, um, the commerce department radically reduced, uh, August sales numbers. So August turns out, wasn't, wasn't really as good as we thought. Now we find out that September is very good. And it's <laughs> that headline when it's written that way, reminds us that it's what prevents them from, uh, curtailing this number here, uh, next month. So, um, It is still great that it's a six-year high. Hopefully that keeps us on a good track. An annual rate of 467,000 units. Um, That's really good. August, by the way, to put it into some context, August was uh, 504,000 units, which was a remarkable reading. And then they cut that down to 466. So, um Again, this month's reading was four sixty seven, so uh, not quite that over the moon number that August was first thought to be, but September shows to be a pretty good number in that respect.
0: And just to put that in context, new home sales—I think a normal market—we're looking at seven to eight hundred thousand per year, and so here we're, we're we're going the right direction, definitely. But you know,
1: oh, about that... two thirds of, of normal. And that number, a few years ago, though, was a number down around one hundred and twenty-five thousand at times. So yeah. it's been, uh, it's been a long recovery. Um, and in that, do you have the uh, FHFA home price index over there? No, I don't. Nor do I. It did come out this week, but I failed to to grab it. I bet it was up a little bit. Right.
0: <laughs> I have some some numbers, just more a little closer to home here for Slow County. Um, that I thought would, I would share. Um, so kind of a similar story to what we're seeing in nationwide and statewide, um, total number of homes sold up 6.1% um, year over year. So units are, are on the upward trend and median home price in the county is up 2.4% year over year. Um, the median home price in September for Slow County is 430,000. Zooming out just a little bit, California, the total number of homes sold in California was up just below 1%. Um, The price of homes in California up just below 10%. So statewide, still a good clip of appreciation. Um, I'd expect to see that number ease its way back down towards 5% or so in the next year. And so,
1: going back to what Jeff was saying earlier in the show here is that this economy doesn't really get fixed up until we have uh, equity return in the homes. I think it's pretty well accepted that for the most part, equity's back um, and now going into positive ground for an awful lot of people. And you know, to me, it's good news. It means that we're heading in the right direction confidence in real estate leads to uh, people feeling comfortable buying and selling leads to people feeling comfortable investing then you end up with people uh, feeling comfortable uh, to build or remodel which then creates tons of jobs and when you are doing good in housing the housing market's doing good, then we're selling the plumbing fixtures and the electrical fixtures. And I mean, you just go on and on and on and on. It creates a lot of good blue collar jobs and um, a lot of great white collar jobs too. It creates a lot of opportunity in the employment market. And um, it's taking a little bit longer than what everybody hoped for, but it really seems that we're inching towards that. We're getting there. Um, It's just a slow, steady pace, but uh, it just goes to show how this stuff is all interconnected. The the economy, our economy is perfectly dependent on uh, housing and jobs. And I'm almost going to argue that's it. Although we see uh healthcare making a showing here (laughs) as it gets expensive and one of the things that um content that we contend with and perhaps even impedes some of the american dream of home ownership but um you know so we'll we'll keep uh bringing the news to you guys and keep an eye on what's going on with the housings and in uh jobs markets I want to remind you all that um, if you have any loan needs at all, we'd love to hear from you and have that opportunity to help you out. Um, If you have a loan that has mortgage insurance, or if you're just not even sure what kind of loan you have, there are some of those uh, out there too, Uh, reach out to us. We can sit down with you give you an overview of what you got um, if you have an adjustable rate loan and want to understand when it's going to adjust and how much it can adjust by and if there's um, just to get a sense of the predictability of that that's something that we're really good at and we'd be happy to sit down and show you dan mentioned earlier in the show but there are people that have an adjustable rate loan or a variable rate line of credit Um, where business has been good for a few years for you. Your rate adjusted down, your line of credit adjusted down. Um, Things are just kind of cruising along. If you're in that boat, um, I'm not saying that you definitely need to do something now, but come on in and let us uh, give you a chat about what to expect, what's coming, when it's coming, and then we can kind of begin to think about what might be changing the economy between now and then that could affect your position. Um, Otherwise, we offer uh, all of the loans. Anything to do with real estate, we do them. We do the Fannie, we do the Freddie, FHA, VA, BLT from Mickey D we can do it all any kind of loan you want um, We can help you figure out how to accomplish that or at least get you on the path to do so and Because I really do believe that we're the mortgage experts here on the Central Coast um, I don't want to just sell on price, but the reality is is that we um, generally beat any offer in town, so if you're doing a loan Um, and it's your sister's brother's uncle's cousin that can do something for you Um, let us throw our hat in the ring too we have the ability to um, make some really good deals and we're always looking to do so we're a locally owned and operated company by um, just a couple hardworking dudes that are trying to take care of our families so let us have that crack before you go to quicken you can find us on the web. We are centralcoastlending.com. You'll find a variety of resources on there, basically get you on a pretty good path to understanding. You can check rates, find contact info uh, for us. If you guys have any interest at all in making an appointment, we got one phone number, rings all of our offices, it's easy. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. And uh, otherwise, We've got uh, another live show coming next week.
0: It's a good one.
1: Have a safe and happy Halloween. Yes, be safe out there. Be safe out there. All right, guys. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.